taking my podcast virginity. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm keep, deflowering what? you. Keep that in. Keep that in. Welcome to Don't Change My Life. Hi, I'm Sydney, and I don't really like life change, but we all have to deal with it. This is a podcast about changes in life, resisting them, embracing them, and ultimately asking, does anyone else relate to this? Moving and dating, graduating, new jobs, we've all been there or are going through it. Hopefully this podcast will feel like a conversation that you're a part of between me and my friends and family, and we're just sitting across the table from each other with a coffee talking about changes in life and how to deal with them. Join me. How do you view people in the world? When you think about people in China or in the UK, do you think about how they are individual people or do you just think about the culture as a whole? Today, I have two really good friends joining me to talk about mission work and humanitarian work across the world. And that ended up being a conversation about how people are just people everywhere. I love this conversation. I cracked up. I learned so much. And I hope you'll learn something too. I also want to add that due to security reasons, one of my good friends could not reveal her name, although we didn't really stick to that rule. So if you hear censor beeps, it's not because we're just randomly cussing. It's because I had to beep out her name. Thank you, R and Abby, for joining me. Um, we're using R for a lovely friend because that's what happens when you do missions in Northern Africa. Yep, yep. Unfortunately, I cannot have my name tied to mission work anywhere on the internet um, for the safety of a lot of people, um, not just me. But I'm still so glad to be here and be able to talk about the work I'm doing or was doing before this COVID mess. And my name's Abby, and my <laughs> name can be on the internet. <laughs> okay, so the reason I have these two lovely people here is because they both have, like, been out of the country multiple times. Well, been out of the country for, like, the past two year? Year? <laughs> too many countries. We've been to many countries. You guys have been to many countries recently. And not, not super recently. Well, Hashtag COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but... Um, you guys have experienced a lot of different cultures, and if I know anything about living in America, it's that different cultures are just so weird when you, I mean, people think that they're so weird, but you know, I'm trying, that was sarcastic. People think other cultures are weird when they go to other countries. <laughs> yes, that is definitely true. Um, yeah. what was your job? What is your job? Because your job is kind of changing a little bit, right? Yes and no, with COVID things don't exactly look how they used to look for all of America slash life moving forward for forever. Um, so I work for an international humanitarian aid organization, um, and my job is to get college students connected um, to doing humanitarian aid. Um, and with that, I travel a lot and take students overseas and help them get involved serving domestically as well. Okay. Um, R. Um. So I was a missionary in North Africa, and so I lived there up until March when all the COVID stuff got really crazy, um, and I spent my days meeting with girls there, starting spiritual conversations, sharing the gospel, um, and just living life among the people there. Yeah. Um, so what got you interested in doing that? Because it, it, it's just a huge life change to move halfway mm-hmm. across the world to do mission work, specifically in Northern Africa? Yeah, I definitely grew up, like, thinking I would never leave America. There's no reason to. America's so great and wonderful. Um, And there are great things about it, and there's plenty of sights to see and beauty here. Um, But once I went abroad for the first time, it was the summer of 2017, 
I was in the same city um, that I just got back from living in. And so after living there for a month, um, it was the night before we were leaving, and me and a couple other girls, um, we were just at a little cafe talking about our month and how great it was. And we were just kind of thinking, like, why wouldn't we want to live here for a whole year? Um, we I surprisingly liked it, and, um, and it was just a really, like, fun month and so my thought process was like yeah I should delay getting a quote real job um and just delay like those sort of things that people really idolize um for the sake of continuing to tell people about Jesus um what specifically did you like about it though because I feel like northern Africa is such a different culture than America Mm -hmm. I just makes it seem like also why do you like it if it's not America Wow, I'm not trying to be... Okay. No, Sorry, no, that's a good question. <laughs> Abby's giving me a look. Ah. Yeah, I mean, yes, America and North Africa are like... What's the word? There's just such a polar stark opposite? difference. Yeah, polar opposites. Um, and so it's like some of the things that America's really good at, they maybe don't have as much of like, for example, um, like, I, I, know, I mean, I know... Um, we can still be doing better here in America, but women's rights is a huge thing here. And I, I mean, yeah, I think women are, um, hopefully like getting more respect and, um, care, um, in American culture, but in their culture, um, I mean, you can just walk down the street and just be catcalled and men will tell you exactly what they think of you and how beautiful they think you are and what they want to do and all of that stuff. Um. But then on the flip side, um, in this culture, they're so hospitable. They will, like, girls that I just met, like, on public transportation will invite me over to their house or say, like, hey, like, let's go to this part of the city. I want to show it to you. Um, And they just are so excited to cook for you and have you meet their family. And so um, there's just so many, like, wonderful and beautiful things about all cultures in the world. And I think you have to go to be honest to be able to experience that and live in it yeah um with the whole like um how they view women thing I mean how did you how did you deal with that as an American because uh yeah how did you deal with that as American because you know we have if people can't call you here you're like you know (laughs) f you or whatever but like you can't necessarily do that or you can't do that and Um, I don't want to as someone who's there representing Jesus right um so I think when you go into another culture it's super important to go in with an open mind and have this mindset of like it's not different I mean it's not wrong it's just different um but then the more you live in a culture you do realize that like some things are wrong and not wrong because they're different from America but wrong because our standard is the bible Mm. and so in the bible men are told to respect and care for women and so you can see that that's not happening and so I don't know how I dealt with it like it was one of like the hardest things um it was nice that I wasn't dealing with it alone I had my girl teammates there um also like hearing the same things and experiencing the same things and so we can talk about it and like completely empathize with one another um but then we also had our guide teammates who kind of just like stepped up in a way that maybe they wouldn't have um if we were in America because they saw how hard it was and so they like got us flowers pretty often or like were super willing to like come walk with us if we were like felt like we were in a sketchy place or if it was nighttime and we wanted to go out somewhere Mm, yeah um Abby what sparked your interest in working abroad and doing humanitarian work Yes. Um, so I've always loved to travel. Um, traveling has always been a big part um, of my life. Um, my family really loves to travel. I just love experiencing new cultures. Um, and um, right before my senior year of college, I went on a trip um, with the organization I currently work for, um, working in a refugee camp. And then after that, um, decided to commit spending a year interning and then after that year I was asked to step into my current role um, which I did and I've been in that position um, for a little over six months now and really love it and I love getting to take students overseas um, love getting to interact with students as they learn what it looks like to serve um, so many students graduate college 
with having no idea what it looks like to get involved in their community or reach anyone that doesn't look, act, and think exactly like them. Um, and so that's something that I'm really passionate about is just continuing to expand people's horizons because uh, we do live in such a very polarized world. Mm -hmm. um, and so we should all be able to learn how other people think and the way that we can learn that is by experiencing where they're from and what yeah. makes them the way they are. I like that you were able, especially like before making the decision to do humanitarian work, that you were able to go work at a refugee camp because it's like you can donate, you can read the news stories, but I feel like you don't really get to um, see it and change your way of thinking and just, unless you're actually there experiencing it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, just to circle back on like the how women are treated overseas like mm -hmm. I definitely have experienced a lot of that myself like I've been to a lot of countries where um like I cannot walk anywhere alone or go anywhere alone without um fear um yeah of either being catcalled or being attacked or just mm -hmm. not being a safe environment um and for me personally that can get super frustrating mm -hmm. um I've been you know volunteering somewhere for a long time or I've been there for a couple weeks and I'm like I just want to be able to walk to the bathroom by myself or go pick up something from the grocery store by myself um so that's just something that I've really learned um but also it's given me a great chance to see how men in my life can really step up um, and protect women. Um, and it just is such a part of a larger conversation about what needs to happen um, for women, which is one of my big passions is um, for women's equality all over the world. Um, this is a complete sidebar, but um, Sudan just announced that they are making it illegal for FGM to occur. Yes, um, I saw that. And I am so yeah. excited. They had like a 98% um, chance of like women, that's when it's going to happen to mm -hmm. them. Um, and I'm just so excited just to see, steps are so slow. And it's a yeah. very large ship that is turning very slowly. Yes. Um, and we have to remember that, but it's just so good to focus on small victories like that um, because women... Um, yeah, women just deserve to be able to walk down the street without being catcalled. You know, yes. it's not, we're not asking for a lot. Um, and it's just always cool. Um, the organization I work for, we partner with um, this um, group of women in a very small country in the Horn of Africa. And actually the way that um, they share the gospel is through this running group um, in this part of the world where women can't really do these things and like yeah. so just like little things um it's just so cool to see how women are changing the world so yeah i know that's not the point what we're so sweet talking about no, but, but here really, we are <laughs> it's these little yeah it's yeah. little things and especially like um not necessarily women but like children are also super vulnerable in the world there's this ministry that focuses specifically on rwanda mostly because of the whole entire like genocide that happened and how that country's still rebuilding and i mean they're sharing the gospel through providing lunches for children and that's like what they focus on and it's just like you have you focus on these little things and help the vulnerable I don't know where I was going with that anyways yes you guys are doing your part in that um all right <laughs> so um you guys talked about how women are viewed in those cultures but what are there were there any other obstacles that you encountered while you were abroad mm. Yes. <laughs> um, so since I work in a humanitarian scope, um, that is something that there's a lot of really great organizations that have done really, really good things mm -hmm. um, to help better um, a lot of the world. There are also organizations that don't get it right. Um, and it is often because of the effects of that that other people have to kind of correct that thinking. Um, there is a... Um, trait called the white savior complex which I see all the time um, it's the concept that um, Westerners will go into a culture um, and work to fix it and they don't work with people who are local they just kind of go and they'll dig a well but they mm -hmm. won't look and see um, if that's actually a place where people would want a well. And when you say fix it, it's just like Americanize it, right? It's, yes. Well, Basically. yes. Sometimes it's Americanize it. Sometimes they'll recognize, like, there's a problem that this village does not get water. And women are walking six miles a day through a pack of hyenas in order to get water. That is a problem that mm -hmm. anyone can acknowledge is a problem. Um, but they'll go and they'll dig a well. Um, and then, but they won't teach anyone there how to repair it or fix it. So the well mm -hmm. can break in six months and then 
it's wasted. Or they'll mm-hmm. dig it on tribal land that is considered sacred, so people mm-hmm. won't want to go there. Um, or it will be in a part of town that um, people are against it being there, or anything like that where um, people who are local aren't consulted. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that we as Americans um, and Westerners too, it's not just America, um, it's Western culture, um, has the opinion that we are right and they are wrong. Um, and we don't understand that other cultures, we need to learn their culture just like we mm-hmm. want them to learn our culture. Um, so one of the things that I love about um, the organization that I work for, as well as other organizations that do it right, there are a lot of really great organizations out there. Uh, we work with um, specific people in countries so that we're able to um, cater to what they need. We're able to fulfill the requests. We're 100% field driven um, to kind of right some of that wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And we're able to fulfill those requests just based on what the people in the field actually want. And they're the people who fully know the culture and the religion and the language and have grown up there and are mm-hmm. from there. Um, and I mean, I can move to a country and be there for 20 years and yeah. still not fully know the culture. Yeah. Um, like I could be a lot closer than I am now, mm-hmm. but it certainly isn't the same. So I'm just really fortunate for that. But that's definitely something that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone in and you can tell that people are used to getting handouts or things mm-hmm. thrown off the back of the truck um, or just a lot of times people associate Americans with money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just always hard to kind of go in um, and try to do humanitarian work, but also fix some things. Yeah. Um, and it's not perfect. And I know that we don't always do it right. Other people don't always do it right. But it is, um, it's definitely something that does in the humanitarian scope need to be worked on. Yeah. I like that. I like um, organizations that not don't necessarily feel like they have to bring a whole team in to like create a school or a hospital, mm-hmm. but they are more, they're empowering people there to do it like right teaching people or you know just giving providing resources or finances to have a school and then the people there are doing the work and it's not it's like building the community there it's not white people coming in to make a new community and unless you add and has a little bit of a different thing because she was there long term i've never lived somewhere overseas long term but if you're only going for a couple weeks you have to make those weeks. You can't just run a program for a week or two. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out, well, how's it gonna last past that week or two? Otherwise, is it even worth your time or their time right. um, to do something? So figuring out, and it is a delicate balance of figuring out what that looks like. And there are a lot of benefits to people just getting to experience culture mm-hmm. if they're going, but yeah. 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 What are some obstacles that you encountered Um, I think the number one obstacle I faced was actually myself. Like, and the white savior complex looks a little different when you're not doing, like, humanitarian work. But, like, as a missionary, I think I still, like, kind of stepped into the year thinking, like, cool, I'm going to save people. Like, that's my whole job now. I have to go so hard. Um, And, I mean, our team did work really hard, and I'm, like, super proud of them. But for me, I think I preach rest like, guys, come on, like, we got to rest this weekend, like, do whatever, like, you need to do to, like, fill your cup, you know, whatever those, like, analogies are, but, like, I was just, yeah, right, like, like those, cliches. like, Christian things, <laughs> exactly, but, so like, rest it, is more, get poured into, so you can pour into exactly. others, exactly, oh, guys, just, Amen. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and we said those a lot in college, and they're, they're true, but there's also, like, you can't just, like, drag yourself to the weekend like Mm -hmm. I like felt like so tired but our weekend was Sunday Monday I just felt so tired by even like Friday or Thursday night because when I got home from going out during the day like I would come home cook dinner and then like answer more emails or like talk to a friend at home and tell them like all about like what we were doing and how they could be praying and like those are not bad things but I think like I I think what could have been more restful and like actually given me more energy to do work during the day would have been to like read or like watch tv or just like relax and kind of like enjoy my life there instead of thinking that I was just like I have to be spending every second of my day like sharing the gospel um and I think that I I think it would have helped a lot I face a lot of anxiety and so I think that 
maybe just incorporating rest throughout the whole year instead of like once I hit a wall and realized I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, I do think that that would have like made a difference. I feel like that's even applicable now, you know, mm-hmm. all the yeah, things and- that you said, um, as Christians, like in order to be fruitful, I'm going to try not to, well, it's impossible to not use Christianese, but like, yeah, in order to be fruitful, you also have to rest. That's one of the commandments. So yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. hard. And it's, it's especially something I- hard too. If you're like, I have a year to be here and preach the gospel. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think like, COVID has helped me like even process that and realize and grieve like oh wow like I worked maybe too hard and it maybe ruined my chance of like going back for another year or whatever um but yeah just during COVID I've still been working from home um but we've been told like just decrease your hours and just um yeah rest more we got we were in a really like high stress evacuation situation um and so we've just I've been taking every night off. Like, I'll watch Jeopardy with my family, and then the rest of the night, no work, like, no laptop. Um, and it's, it Alex has made a huge that. difference. <laughs> Only Alex. <laughs> um, so, what were your emotions? I, I mean, you've kind of answered this, but what were your emotions? Because you're already there, and then I'll bounce back to <laughs> What were your emotions about, I don't know, the job, the culture, the language barrier. I mean, I I know that it was completely different, but I mean, you were there as a missionary, and mm-hmm. most of Northern Africa is predominantly Muslim, so that's another thing too that mm-hmm. you have to see and experience. Yeah. Um, well, I had an advantage because I had been there before, and so when I first got there, I kind of knew what to expect. I knew the men would be catcalling. I knew that I would hear the call to prayer five times a day. Like, I knew, like, kind of these things that are really shocking to people, mm-hmm. um, I was, like, mentally prepared for, and that was really good, and the weather was nicer than it was in America, and the food was so good, and so I think that was just a blessing from the Lord that I was ready, and so we just, like, got our apartment, like, how we wanted and it just like felt like home um and so that was just like really special like and the transition was just a big blessing um but definitely just the longer that I lived there just the more the culture chipped away the more I mean even like thinking about a Chick-fil-A sandwich like now that I've had one I've I've been back for like whatever six weeks like now that I've had one I'm like okay this is not that good I love you Chick-fil-A but it's not that good like mint chip ice cream it's not that makes good makes the heart grow fonder <laughs> exactly and so just like that little thing of like oh I'm like using ingredients to cook dinner that like are just different from like my Walmart brand that I'm used to and like things like that just kind of like chip away at you and you you have no friends like that you've known before this year like you're making all these new friends and they're good friends and great friends but like you miss your friends and your family and um I mean I don't know if you want to if you'll want to keep this but like in September like someone from our college that we knew um died and so I was like I didn't know him super well but I was like grieving that like away from like all these people who also knew him and they were all together in Virginia and I was just like in North Africa and like found out through a text you Mm -hmm. know and like so yeah it just it gets harder um as time goes on yeah yeah I would imagine it's really lonely especially not being able to even like drive I mean people um, we're all separated here, but we can at least drive or like, mm-hmm. I mean, no one's really taking an easy flight, but like mm-hmm. you, you can see people, but you are truly distant from that community. And while you have your own community, it's a, it's a relatively new community of missionaries yeah. within a whole new country. Yeah. That sounds yeah, like absolutely. definitely really hard. Yeah. For me, even with, since I do a lot of short-term travel but it's frequent um so i travel internationally um anywhere from three to six times a year just depending on what it is i travel a lot domestically for my job as well um so some similar things and some different things where since i do travel so much even though i love it it does prohibit me from um building community and friendships 
in either place, in places yeah. where I travel or at home just because I'm missing so much. Yeah. Um, the, also, the kind of the weird thing about my job is I also travel to a lot of different places. So it's so nice if I go back to a same place or a same part of the world just because I know loosely what the culture will be like or it's not as not everything is completely new. I mm -hmm. recognize some of the food I'm eating yeah. or whatever, but anytime I go to a completely new part, it's hard because it's starting all that learning mm -hmm. all over again. Um, so yes, yeah, so that is something that is a little bit challenging. I feel like by the time I'm leaving, mm -hmm. I'm ready to leave, but also I feel like I'm just getting the hang mm -hmm. of how things go or I'm picking up on um, bits and pieces of the language or of the culture. So. Um, my recommendation for anyone is that they study as much beforehand mm. as possible before they go somewhere new. Um, even if you're just going as a tourist and you're sticking to the tourist places where people speak English, it still just can, and it means a lot to people um, if you work hard just yeah. to even learn how to say hello in a different language. Uh, people really can appreciate that. And yeah. so um, it's worth doing that. Yeah, yeah, and I would think, I mean, it, it sounds amazing. Yeah, there's just an onion in the bush. I don't know why. And a beer bottle. It's fine. Um, it's amazing. It sounds amazing to travel. But I would feel like if you don't do that research, it's like culture shock, like constant culture shock. Even if it's not like so different, you you know, and then like you said, you get more comfortable and you have to leave. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that would be definitely really hard. Anything else? I feel like I'm like, that would be hard. Moving on. <laughs> um... Okay, so <clears throat> we've already kind of talked about um, this, but um, I'm going to ask specifically, R, how did your perception of the culture change from when you first got there to when you left? Um, I know that you said you went before, but, I mean, you still have mm -hmm. perceptions of the culture, so. Yeah. Do I need to re-ask the question? <laughs> No, I know oh. the question. This is just a hard one to answer. Or I did have to it think even. Back. Yeah, I have to think back, like, what was my perception um, beforehand? I think, honestly, I think sometimes when you're going as a missionary, you're so focused on, like, okay, I'm going to, like, raise the money and, and, like, pack my whole life into, like, three suitcases and, like, get ready to go that I, honestly, I don't know if I spent a lot of time, like, thinking about the culture of preparing or like researching like Abby said right I um, guess yeah there's so much to put into like moving all of your life mm -hmm. to another country for a year yeah and I'm dramatic and like selfish and so I was really big into like I'm leaving I'm moving this is all about me and I think that's a normal human tendency but um yeah I think there definitely were more things I probably could have done um to prepare um but, yeah, I think going into it, I knew just more, like, general things. Like, oh, they're more hospitable or, like, they um, are more religious than, like, the typical American or things like that. But then once you go there, you see the nuances of the culture. You see, like, mm -hmm. yes, generally people are more religious and they will, like, stop and pray on the side of the road. But then you meet the girl who absolutely hates the religion and, like, just wants to like listen to punk rock music and like live by herself which is not common there um most people don't most people just live at home until they get married um and then you meet the person who like hates the local food even though everyone else is like talking about how wonderful it is and how you should like try their mom's version you know and so right. it's like I think it's easy to put a blanket over like this is how people there are yeah um and that's it's helpful to study wow. culture that way and to think about cultural norms that way, but also to remember, like, everyone's just a human. And yeah, yeah, I didn't, I honestly didn't expect to learn that. But just because we're not in the melting pot doesn't mean that there's not, like, differences that individuals have. Right. That is, yeah, I feel like when I think about other cultures or, like, individuals in other cultures, you just don't think of culture as made up of individuals. I mean, it's mm -hmm. more of, like, like similar interests but then it's surprising when it's like oh you're different and even with our friend um Katie like when um her friends in China are like looking at pictures of Americans they're like what that girl must not be American because she has brown hair you know so it's like this worldwide thing where we look at different cultures with this like kind of biased lens mm -hmm. in a way 
And it, it, it's not necessarily bad, but then it's just, you know, you have to recognize that when you go to another country, there's individuals that make up that country. They're not, they're not like, all the same. Yeah. People's perception of Americans is that we're all fat. Like, I have had, <laughs> I have had it said to me, they're, they're like, oh, you're American, but you're not fat. Like, that's, wow. like, in our, yeah. and I'm like, I'm like, well, actually, not all Americans are overweight. However, I understand if you've read any health statistics mm-hmm. that you would be led <laughs> yeah. to believe that. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. But on a separate note, even though I did not move to a different country, I did move for my job from the Commonwealth of Virginia to the great state of Texas. (laughs) How how is your perception? And I will say that the differences between Virginia and Texas sometimes are more drastic than the U.S. versus other countries. Is everything truly bigger in Texas? Everything is truly bigger than Texas, although I will say that my perception before moving to Texas is that everyone is a cowboy. Um, everyone wear cowboy boots and eat a lot of southern food. Um, and since I live in Dallas, it is truly just like any other city. Mm-hmm. There are not as many cowboys. However, <laughs> occasionally I am in places and I'm reminded, oh yes, I live in Texas. So <laughs> people are very proud of being from the great state of Texas. That's hilarious. I've heard that from multiple people, <laughs> like even in Dallas. Where um, like, yeah, I love that. And you know what you were saying about like, what do other people think of America? Like, I that is just always the most fascinating conversation to me. Um, and it's different, like, all over the world. But in North Africa, they think everyone's a Christian. Um, Kim Kardashian, Donald Trump, you, like, your mom, like, anyone, they assume, is going to be a Christian, um, which we know is not true. Um, and they also are really quick to ask, like, they're quick to ask this question, Sydney, that you asked of like, what was your perception of us before you came? Because we're not terrorists. Like this is a, a place of peace. And I'm like, I've never thought that like consciously. And so I'm quick to be like, no way. Like, I do not think that about you, but it is hard to have to tell someone like, I see why you think that because people mm-hmm. have said that and thought that. And like, <laughs> now I'm like, like the first American you've ever met. I have to be the ambassador to all Americans and like right. apologize on behalf of like, yeah, just this like stereotype that affects you like emotionally. Yeah. I think also that because if you are the first American that they have interacted with or one of the first Americans mm-hmm. that you also have to be on best behavior because if you yes. are loud and obnoxious or disrespectful mm. um or fulfilling any american stereotype that that further solidifies that opinion right of you um and they'll put you know they'll say well i met an american one time and that's how they were just like if we meet someone mm. from a different culture we can be that's quick to do the exact same thing yeah so true. i think that that's something that as people are traveling they need to be aware of that um that, you know, Americans are loud, or we yeah. are, you know, things like that, and just um, recognizing that maybe those are not ways that we should behave um, when we're traveling. Yeah, and not to make this all about America, but even within America, when you think about different people groups in America and different cultures within America, I mean, that happens here too, right? You get on the street and you can make assumptions about somebody that doesn't look like you. Right. And as a teacher, I, I'm a human. I make assumptions about kids that I'm teaching, and then I get to know them, and I'm, like, surprised that, like, one child is, you know, different than what I thought they were going to be. Um, so I feel like it's just this, like, human error that we're constantly having to work against. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely being in, like, different cultures is important for that. Um, Abby, how did your global perspective change since you've been to quite a lot of places? Yeah, I think overall I just feel like I'm more aware of – I don't want to say the world as a whole because there are so many places I haven't been. Yeah. Um, but for example, um, immigration has been like a really hot button issue in our country and other countries as well Mm -hmm. for a really long time. Um, and with the current administration, it's become even more of a conversation. And I see a lot of people, a lot of people have a lot of different views, but I feel like my views are very much shaped because I have interacted and been and sat in the dirt with people who are refugees or who have mm-hmm. gone through that sort of thing, um, you know, who are migrants who have 
given up everything, who have seen their whole family shot to death in front of them, who can't go home because um, they know that they'll be recruited to join an army or they'll probably die. Um, so I think that um, just overall, I feel like I, I'm more attentive to things on the news. Um, I kind of have a little bit more of a cultural understanding of um, if, especially in the news, if, you know, I read more international news. Yeah. Um, I have to read their national news for my job just to kind of keep informed about things that are going on in places that I go. But um, like being really excited about what's going on in Sudan, yeah. you know, that's something that, you know, I probably wouldn't read and understand that news if we didn't have a part of my organization that works with women's health or yeah. we don't, you know, we send people there, we send shipments there, um, things like that. So I think I'm um, just becoming more aware um, and hopefully educating others um, along those lines as well about about what I've seen because, you know, the knowledge is only as good as right. what you can share with people. Right. So. so what would you tell people who are, like, listening to you talk about all these things and especially, like, with Sudan and, like, women's rights and um, even education across the world, how can people best get involved mm. in helping? You know, because people... I mean, we can help anywhere. We can help in your own neighborhood, but especially globally, there's so many options and there's so many organizations and there's so many like different things that you mm -hmm. can support. How does someone do their little part to help? So, um, I would say that first, I'm really glad if people do want to get involved. It's always really encouraging if people reach out or talk to me about what it looks like just to volunteer time, money, or resources to any type of nonprofit. Um, or any type of ministry. Um, so my first recommendation would be to kind of identify what matters to you. There's so many organizations that are, um, that can be very small or very large, but they're fulfilling very specific mm -hmm. um, needs. So kind of identify what project you are looking for, what ministry you're looking for, and then figure out specifically what the need is. Um, obviously, all nonprofits, enjoy financial giving that is something mm -hmm. that keeps us all running um but more so than that um definitely there are ways to volunteer um especially locally in your own community mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of people who give us um gick which is gifting kind so materials um or people will sew things or donate um, donate things to our logistics center and then we'll be able to ship them. Um, so kind of looking and seeing and also matching your skills with what they need. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you are able to do construction, figuring out what sort of construction project, you know, things like that, that yeah. if there's a way that you see that you have special skills and being able to use them in that way. Yeah. Um, and if you do have the opportunity to serve internationally or domestically, um, yeah, same thing. Look into the organization. Make sure that the work that they are doing in a different country or in a different place is has longevity. Mm -hmm. um, and it it's not just going to be you are going and painting a building that could have been painted by people who live there. Um, and the 30th yeah. coat on a church wall. Right, <laughs> right. Like, that, like other youth groups did. Right, yeah. exactly. Like that's not, that's not beneficial. That's you guys spending $30,000 for everyone to fly down there. And now, yes, it does mean that the people who go get to have an experience. Hopefully it encourages them to continue to get involved. However, is that something that is actually giving a long-term impact especially with the mm -hmm. costs associated when there are other organizations that um, you'd be able to have a longer impact helping with um, so yeah really just doing your research talking to um, yeah talking to people who have either done things before or have a little bit more expertise and even talking to organizations as well um, we'll have people who will call us and ask us sometimes hard questions about what we do or how we allocate our funding or um, how what percentage of the money that comes in goes into the field and if the nonprofit is good um, if they're um, if they know their mission and they're on target those questions won't scare them. They'll be yeah. able to answer them and have positive answers. Um, and just knowing that will also just be able to help you. So definitely do your research um, and go from there. But if you definitely feel like that's something that you want to do, you should. So yeah. don't let the fear of the unknown or just the lack of desire to 
do a little bit of Googling ever stop you from working to change the world for better? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing, like, be intentional and do your research and recognize also how you can benefit other humans in this world. Obviously, if you can't build something... Like, don't go build something. Yeah, you do not. I will never be doing a construction project. I will never be leading a bake sale. Like, those are not in my skill set, but I have other skills. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I think that that's, that's just important for that. <laughs> Are do you have anything to add? No, I think that's really great. Um, yeah. yeah. I think just going overseas made me remember that there are people overseas. Like, mm-hmm. and maybe that's, like, a silly thing to say, but just, like, picturing like oh there are people living in Spain right now and they speak Spanish and they like I can think about like how their lives just look different than mine mm-hmm. and just like that once you picture that that gives them value like people are valuable all over the world and like made me realize like I'm not special like you know like yeah. I think it's, really it's great humbling. that I yeah, it's great that I li- exist and that I live in America and that, like, I get to do all these things. But, like, we're just people and there's people all over the world. And so I think that it just helps humble me, yeah, but also have empathy, like, when you hear on the news that, like, this country is struggling or this country invaded this country and actually thinking, like, not about just America's political interests in that, but, like, oh, these are human beings, yeah. I mean, like, um, in another... Um, interview someone said people are people wherever you go and that's so true you all have like you know an array of core fears and motivations and I'm not going to bring up the Enneagram but like Enneagram why (laughs) you know everybody has a personality on this planet everybody has something that they're afraid of something that they want something that um, they are living their lives for and we're not like walking around like shells of like our culture where we're, everyone's an actual person and I don't know if you I, I mean that's really hard to fully grasp and I don't know if I can fully grasp that but it does give you it gets you out of yourself and it helps you to have a better perspective of like your part in the world I guess that makes sense yeah definitely um okay what is your favorite place that you have visited not in America. And <laughs> I don't want you to be, like, south of the border or something like that. Hey. I hate to be this person, but, like, you know, the last place you visit is just your favorite. Like, there's just so many wonderful places. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll actually be more specific. Um, well, as specific as I can be. Um, there's just this one city in North Africa that I've been to twice, and it is just... It's, like, your picturesque, like, North African city. There's little mm-hmm. alleyways with rugs hanging from them. You go on the roof of places, and you get some, like, tea, and you look at the mosques, and you just, like, see the mountains in the background, and then you go, like, bargaining with, like, the artisans and buy stuff from them, and it's all really fun. So I just love that, like, it's just the quintessential, like, North Africa. Just, like, the beauty that they have and the art. Yeah. Yeah. For me... It is not the last place I have been. Um, my favorite country that I've ever been is Vietnam. Um, I just love the food and the people and the culture. Um, I also love the people that we work with there, so I think that has a huge impact. Um, but yeah, that's definitely definitely my favorite place I've ever been. I also have been spent a lot of time in Peru and would mm. love to spend more time in South America. Yeah. Um, I just love the bright colors, and yes. I think there's so much culture there that we do not get to hear about in Mm. um, well first of all we in western culture never hear about south american southeast asian or african culture in history growing up but i think there's so much rich history in south america that i just would love to spend more time in person exploring and there's alpacas everywhere which is super cool yeah um yeah but i also really love i I, I love places Um, i also really love um greece um i love the island life um and i love greek food um tzatziki is the best thing ever um yeah so Yeah. yeah i love I love many different places, um, but also I think certain places mean more to me because of the work I've done there as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, well, I haven't ever done humanitarian work abroad, minus like a mission trip I went on, but um, I think my favorite place was Panama because of, like you said, like 
the South American and Central American culture. It's so, everything's so colorful and it's just more relaxed. Like it's a slower culture um, where people just have a slower pace to life. And granted, there aren't like great road signs and some things are pretty disorganized, but like, you know, you win some, you lose some. I just like that like different, it's just like a, a break from like American culture where it's just like go, 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 go all the time and you know, so. All right, what is the weirdest thing that you encountered? Okay, this isn't, like, exactly funny, but I think it is, like, weird and, like, a culture shock when you're walking around a city and, like, there are not English words anywhere on any mm. sign. Like, imagine walking around New York City or whatever city, like, you've been to and there's just no English. And, like, even the McDonald's sign, like, you can't read it. And, like, you know it because of the LM, but I just think it's, like, okay, yeah, we are not in America anymore, and it's going to be hard for me to be yeah. here, but that's okay. I would say, so. like, in that scenario, I would just feel a little trapped. Like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't have freedom here that I have. And Absolutely. Maybe a place where I could read the language or at least decipher the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that is, like, super common across all of North Africa and the Middle East is there's just cats everywhere. Like, they aren't house pets. They're just, like walking around like there's babies there's the mom the dad so Mm. yeah it's just super common everywhere (laughs) it's like squirrels here i guess (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i can share a funny story from one of my travels um so i spent a lot of time on airplanes because to travel you have to spend a lot of time on airplanes to get places um and so i've flown on a love very random, sometimes a little sketchy airlines. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned that if it ever has the name of the country and then the word air, it means that it's a very low-budget airline. But <laughs> um, I was in the process of coming back from Central Africa, um, and I have flown from... I was flying from um, Lagos, Nigeria, to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And this was my second leg of a really long, like, three-day travel, which included, like, a 17-hour plane ride. That's um, insane. Which is, yes, it's insane. I cannot imagine that. <laughs> but it was on this kind of a, a little jumper flight. It was on, like, a four-hour flight. Um, and um, I get on the plane, and I was in the window seat, which I'm an aisle seat person, but it's okay. It's fine. Um, and then um, the plane wasn't full. It's not a very popular um flight route and a man comes on and he sits down in the middle seat next to me and the aisle seat is empty Um, and the plane finishes boarding and no one sits down the aisle seat Um, and so they shut the door they're sealed we're like kind of pulling back and taxiing and um, he is dressed in full African tribal garb um, kind of like the long tunic sandals and head wrap Um, and um, I asked him first of all would you like to move to the aisle seat just it's standard airplane protocol that if there's going to ever be an empty seat, it's going to be the middle seat. That way you both have a little bit of extra yeah. room, right? And he looked at me. He clearly didn't speak English, which is totally fine. I kind of mimed it out. I pointed. And it still was just kind of a blank look. And so I thought, do you want? It's fine. It's okay. It's only a four-hour flight. Um, if he feels more comfortable sitting in the middle seat, that's okay. So... Then he proceeded, I realized why he didn't want to move over. He pres- And this man, he was a tall man, I mean an average height, at least 5'9", if not taller. He proceeded to take the blankets. Noted 5'9 <laughs> is considered tall by Abby. <laughs> I am 5'9", um, but he was not a short man, okay? Um, he took both blankets and both pillows for those two seats um, and proceeded to fully cocoon himself and lay in a fetal position in the in those two seats. And as someone who's also 5'9", I can affirm that there is no way that you can fit a 5'9 body into airplane seats. And he couldn't. The only way he could is if he took his feet, which I mentioned before were in sandals, <laughs> so he removed them. The only way he could fit is if he took his bare feet out of his sandals and pressed them into my thigh. <laughs> As we were on the plane, and he was kind of adjusting, he kept pressing into my thigh, and there are his bare feet on my thigh. Only separating us was a very 
thin piece of cotton of my um, like flowy elephant plants. So I took my book and kind of tried to scooch his feet with my book, like kind of shoving. I didn't want to be mean, but I also didn't want his bare feet that were in sandals on my thigh. So we kind of did this scooch thing and it took me a while, but I finally got him not on my thigh. And then I really had to go to the bathroom. Big mistake. I had to kind of bungee propel myself over him because his cocooning had involved him fully swallowing his face too. So I didn't know how to wake him up. So I bungeed my way over into the aisle, went to the bathroom and came back. And his, like, he was completely full row. He had full row. So I had to bungee back, kind of start over with the scooching process. Um, It was a whole thing. I was with a couple of my coworkers. They were laughing. Um, I wanted this man to get sleep, but... It was a whole thing. At what cost? At like, what cost? I could fill a whole other podcast about weird things that have happened to me on planes, but that <laughs> that is one that, that is so uncomfortable. Uh, it's uncomfortable, and we as Americans really value personal space. Yeah, um, that's true. And so I guess you don't think about you that, don't think about like, it. And normally on planes, even if you're traveling on weird airlines internationally, people still kind of. If they've traveled at least a little bit, they kind of respect basic airplane policy. And this man was just not. And as an American who's used to personal space, it did make me uncomfortable. Maybe other cultures would not. But that is another example of just how you do have to roll with it. But also, never sacrifice your personal space for a man's bare feet. I feel like it's a bad balance of like, I guess I should just let this go and just like uh, be uncomfortable the whole time. But yeah, I guess you also have to be like, hey, I know enough to say, let's just put the There has to be a balance. Exactly. So yeah, but I definitely, as far as other weird things, I definitely ate weird things. Um, I ate fish eggs. Um, and I've ate a snail pulled straight from the ocean. I've, I've mm. actually ate many things pulled straight from the ocean, which is ironic because I hate seafood. But, you know, if a communist leader hands you a snail, you eat the snail. You're going to eat it. <laughs> You're going to eat that snail. You're going to eat it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's definitely – there's always weird things. Um, but you just have to keep traveling to experience all the things. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, man. Sydney, did you think the word thigh would be said so much on your podcast? <laughs> I didn't, um, but you know what? We're just going to roll with it, so. Yeah, this is what happens of when course. you invite This is what happens when Abby goes on your podcast. <laughs> this goes on a tangent with, like, thigh and Thighs. <laughs> um, well, thank you guys for joining me to talk about different cultures. Mm. You're welcome, um, Sydney. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you learned something. Maybe it's relatable. If not, I hope you were entertained. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.